Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Que cosa sucede? Ni hao, Puviet. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. We have a fantastic episode for you today. As we welcome back one of my favorite guests, professional dancer with the Hong Kong Ballet, Raina Sawai, returns to the show. I gotta say, I'm the luckiest guy in the world because through any given runway, I've had the unmatched opportunity to meet unforgettable humans from around the world. And when I'm asked who some of my favorite guests have been, Raina Sawai is right at the top. She was born in Wellington, New Zealand, and is trained in Japan, Hong Kong, and the Philippines, and received a one-year scholarship in Portugal. She danced with the National Ballet of Portugal, Vienna State Ballet, and the Boston Ballet before joining the Hong Kong Ballet in 2019. With the Hong Kong Ballet, Raina has danced the featured roles of Big Swan, Swan Lake, Egyptian Doll and French Doll in The Nutcracker, and Second Twin in Peter Pan. Throughout her life, she's lived in many different countries and has an incredibly diverse background. And because of that, she has a one-of-a-kind outlook on life. With an Epicurean mindset, she cherishes all of the unforgettable experiences that she's gained while working with different companies and living in multiple countries. Each conversation I've had with Raina has been unforgettable. She always provides authentic and honest answers, and it's just an absolute delight to chat with. We caught up with Raina as she was finishing her second year with the Hong Kong Ballet, getting ready to start her third. And on today's episode, Raina chats about how she benefited from stepping away from dance several years ago. Raina reflected on that time and, and how she's proud that she returned to the stage. During our conversation, Raina also reflects on how she's been resilient and gives some tremendous and helpful advice on not letting the perfectionist side get the better of her. Certainly a thrill to have her back on the show, and Any Given Runway is definitely better for having her as a guest. Excited for you guys to hear Raina again. So let's go ahead and welcome on member of the Hong Kong Ballet and, more importantly, one of my favorite humans on the planet, Raina Sawai. And let's learn. Raina, just wonderful, wonderful to see your face and chat with you again. I'm curious in your career, I know that a few years ago you took time away from performing. And I was always wondering how that benefited you as far as a performer. Did, did the taking time away from the stage that rejuvenate you and did it help you avoid burnout and staleness? Actually, yeah. Um, I'd say taking time away from like, being in a ballet company, being a ballet dancer, definitely gave me a different perspective. I think prior to, you know, taking that hiatus from ballet, do you call it? Like that break, um, I took it for granted a little bit. I got into a company easily and it was a very good company and I was doing really well there. The boss liked me and I let like stress and the pressure of perfecting things get in the way of enjoying what's supposed to be my passion. And so when I took, I think it was one year off to work at the beach resort <laughs> and then another year back in Japan, taking a part-time job to earn money to take ballet classes so I could eventually audition and join a ballet company. During those two years, um, I realized, yeah, um, I guess how hard ballet is. And it just... Yeah, it gave me a different perspective um, on being how lucky I am to be able to be a ballet dancer. And so now that I am back in a ballet company, I've been back for, I don't know, 
five years, I suppose, going into my sixth. And I think I have maybe 10 years left in my career because I'm 31 now. And dancers usually retire when they're 30, uh, sorry, 40. I definitely approach ballet differently. Um, what do you think was the bigger rejuvenation? Was it physically, mentally, or emotionally? Definitely mentally. <laughs> I approach work and ballet just very differently. And then with that new rejuvenation, were there certain things that you brought with you once you started performing again? Did you make it a priority of, you know what, I'm going to make mental health a priority? Yeah, I think I used to let my nerves get the better part of me when I was performing. And so I would end up being on stage standing thinking, oh man, I just want to go home. I don't enjoy this at all. <laughs> and once it was finished, it was such a relief. And that's crazy, you know? You hear about a lot of dancers who are living life on stage. and I'm not to that point yet either, but I definitely enjoy performing more now. And that was definitely thanks to the step away, the step I stepping away from ballet when I took that break. Yeah. What a, what a great answer. I love that. I, can, I would love to have seen you on stage at that performance to see your brain while you were thinking those thoughts. Uh, that <laughs> time there and, and stepping away, how did that help you over the last year? I know you were still with the company, but you didn't have the same amount of performances because of the lockdown and pandemic. Did that time away previously help you through this time? Mm, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure if I mentioned this to you before, but I actually like rehearsing in the studio more than performing on stage. Um, like I said, I learned to enjoy performing more than I have before, but still currently I like practicing better than the actual one day of performing. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, during COVID, during the past, like, what was it? The past six months that we weren't performing again, we kept on rehearsing and personally, I enjoyed it, <laughs> but that's just me, I think. How do you keep your childlike curiosity when it comes to learning? Because I know while you've been a professional dancer, you've always continued to take classes and continue to learn new disciplines. So how do you, how do you keep that childlike curiosity when maybe the last thing you'd want to do after working as a dancer that you actually take extra classes? Oh, well, the last, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to take a ballet class outside of work. Mm -hmm. But I think, I mean, this is just me personally. I've always had a passion for not just ballet, but dance in general and things similar to dance like circus. And so actually when I took time away from ballet and I was working at the beach resort, the reason I wanted to work there was because I wanted to be a trapeze instructor. Wow. And so I, again, like I like that kind of circus apparatus as well. And I actually did decide when I when I was trying to decide whether or not to go back into a ballet company, it was either that or I also auditioned for Cirque du Soleil because mm. <laughs> um, they were looking for dancers. And yeah, circus is also another thing that still currently piques my interest. And in the end, I didn't end up going for that job because if I had taken a job with Cirque du Soleil, I would have had to perform the same thing for basically more than a year. Yeah. And the good thing about working with a ballet company is you always have new productions. So I definitely like that part um, of working in a ballet company where you, it's always fresh. Yeah. The longest you would work on a piece would be maybe like three months. COVID has changed things and we did work on something for like a year, but that's not normally the case. 
And um, back to your question, yeah. I just, yeah, I have an interest in dance. So if it's contemporary jazz or like hip hop, I, and I have the time and energy to take that sort of class, then I just love it. Yeah, I'll pay money to take those classes. And I also think that that can definitely translate into my work in ballet. It makes me more of a versatile dancer, makes me more grounded. And I think that thought also kind of motivates me to go out and keep learning, I suppose. Yeah. If you've got an empty studio, maybe a couple extra hours free, and you're just going to go and dance and basically get a workout in, what do you choose to do outside of ballet? And is there a certain type of music that you, that you go to as well? I don't really like dancing by myself. This okay. is why I go take dance classes okay. because okay. I like when there's an instructor in front telling me what to do. Okay. Um, but my choice of, say, music would be, I'm terrible with music genres. Um, I might be butchering this, but uh, indie, I guess, kind mm -hmm. of. Indie, R&B, um, alternative music, okay. combination of those. <laughs> yeah. Well, I noticed over the last year that you were practicing, but while you didn't have performances, you do a lot of new things, a lot of new projects outside of dance. So we yeah. talked about a little bit about how you're always perpetually curious. So how do new activities and interests keep you fresh men mentally? And then what were some of the new activities you picked up over the last year? So I think it was around the last time you interviewed me, I started doing a lot of photo shoots mm -hmm. with photographers in Hong Kong. There's a lot of photographers here in the city, this country. And I think dance photography is also a very big thing now. And so I've had a lot of people reach out to me. And at, at one point I was doing them like every weekend. And there was a day when I actually did two photo shoots in one day. But after a certain point, I think it was maybe around like January this year, I realized it was just like starting to get to me. Um, it takes like a whole day to prep yourself, you know, hair, makeup, think about what clothes to wear. Sometimes I'd have to go to a store to get it also. And I had enough photos <laughs> to upload on Instagram too. <laughs> And time is money, so I stopped doing that unless it was sort of paid, I guess. And since then, I've been fortunate enough to have a lot of modeling jobs. And they go from like commercial jobs to just photographers who want to build their portfolio on Instagram. What else? I've had a few other fashion-related jobs. And I've, yeah, I was able to wear like these nice pieces is and yeah what else have i done what have you enjoyed most about that form of creativity i think besides you know seeing the results of all of these projects like photos yeah photo shoots that i do i think meeting all of these people has been a big takeaway as well especially when they're in the creative field like I met this one lady who makes clothes out of recycled denim. Hmm. And so it's a great cause, you know, also it's sustainable, eco-friendly wear. And who else have I met? Um, I'm trying to think. Did you, 
assist in any of the photo editing or video editing? No, I never do that. Okay. But actually, yeah, that's a really good point. So now that I've done a lot of photo shoots, met a lot of photographers, um, met a lot of models as well. And I realized there are same models who turn into videographers or photographers. And that obviously piqued my interest. And I'm terrible <laughs> with um, like mechanical stuff, but I do kind of want to learn as well. Like Photoshop is a really big thing, a really big part of photography. Um, half of it's probably, yeah, post taking the photo, you know? And so not that I've actually taken that into action. I haven't actually studied Photoshop, but that is like on the list of things that I would like to eventually do. Yeah. And, and yeah, you just get new ideas like that and it piques your curiosity and and open it opens new doors i just love that during the time for a lot of people it was a break but for you you continue to be active continue to do new things you're always there was always something new that you're posting i loved it and that's what's great about hong kong i'm telling you <laughs> uh, I'm, you're piquing my interest with that <laughs> one thing i love about you you describe yourself as made in nine countries because of the different places in which you've lived so in what ways the countries that you previously lived in what ways have they influenced who you are today mm, i don't know if it's like traveling no it's probably Partly that I've traveled a lot and partly that I'm older now. But, and this isn't the most happy topic, but I think I've become a little bit more aware of racism. Mm -hmm. um, having lived in Europe, the States, and now back in Asia. It's unfortunate to say, but I do recognize um, certain Caucasians who, I think they feel that they're more superior than Asians. Mm -hmm. um, and I've had like experiences before in the States where people, there was a African-American man who, I don't know what was bugging him, but he wanted me to move. When, we were in the metro station and he wanted me to move to make, you know, passage for him, I suppose. And I didn't because I wasn't in his way. <laughs> and, and then he just, I think he said, yeah, like, what, like, move, like, why are you just standing there? And I probably spoke back to him in English saying, I don't know what I, I, I don't remember, but I said something. And he said, go back to China. And then he also said, speak English. This is the, this is America. And I was like, wait, what do you think I'm speaking right now? This like, this is English coming out from my mouth. Yeah. But he obviously had some sort of grudge against Asians or just looked down upon them. I don't know what he went through life. I don't know what he went through that made him do what he did or say what he did to me. But that, aside from that really obvious experience, I think there have been just moments where I felt like certain people thought that I was beneath them because I was Asian. Hmm. And... I'm just more aware and sensitive about that, I suppose. And being an Asian myself, I don't entirely know what I can do at this point, but I have this strong sensation of just wanting to support Asians, I suppose, um, and bring them up. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's something I really think about a lot right now. Earlier, you mentioned you spent some time living on a beach resort, working on a beach. But now yeah. you're in one of the busiest cities in the world. So are you, in the places you've lived, would you rather live in a beach location or an exciting city? 
Oh my God. Now the thing about Hong Kong is that it is a really busy city, but you can easily go to the beach in, uh, I think the quickest would be maybe like 15 minutes if you took a taxi. Um, yeah, they have, I mean, it's an island, obviously, so it's covered by the ocean, and there's so many beaches. I just messaged a friend who was at a beach today, and apparently there's a new beach that opened, a new artificial beach. And so there's already a lot of beaches, but there's still new ones popping up, apparently. Yeah. So, yeah, I think as much as I loved and enjoyed living by the ocean, Hong Kong has offers both city life and nature. And there's so many people who hike as well. I personally don't like hiking unless there is, again, a beach at the end of the road. But there are a lot of those. Um, So you look like, sounds like you're in the perfect spot because you've got both elements. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I've been here for two years. And so far, I don't feel like escaping yet. So hopefully it stays that way. Back to performing, what makes for a memorable night? Because you mentioned you're doing a lot of performances often it's the same night after night, so they can kind of all blend together. So it might be hard for you to remember a certain one. So for you, when you think back to your most memorable shows, what, what makes for an unforgettable night? Yeah, I guess I think I lightly mentioned how before I used to get my nerves take over completely and it would just make the show completely unenjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I have a different perspective now or a different take on things and I can... I've learned to enjoy performing more, but what makes it most memorable if I can, is if I can completely immerse myself and just really enjoy it. Um, it doesn't happen always. It depends on what you dance. If it's technically difficult, then you know, you're always a little bit worried about if that turn will you know, succeed. But yeah, I think we've done two shows uh, two different types of shows th- this year, one in June and one in July. And sometimes when you get roles that don't require too much technicality and say it's more acting, I personally enjoy it. Yeah. So how have you changed as a performer? What are the things that you know now that you wish you had known when you first started? Don't let your perfectionist side get the better of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, ballet is such a art that requires perfection Mm -hmm. but you can't let that be the main focus um good ballet isn't decided on just perfect technique ballet is more about ballet is more than just technique um it's artistry um emotion And, you know, the audience watching will interpret things differently. So, yeah, it can't just be about perfect technique. And if I had known that earlier, maybe, then I wouldn't have quit. Not that I regret my decision to quit back when I was 24, but, yeah, I tell myself that. I like your point, too, because, yes, it's based on perfection, but... Anytime as an audience member, as you see, even just the slightest differentiation with, with a move or something that might not be perfect, it reminds the audience member that, oh, they're live. This is not computerized. These are humans. And for me, it makes it more enjoyable in that sense, too, because you're like, oh, you can relate. Exactly. Yeah. 
Have you changed your philosophy on rest and recovery at all? Because to do it for as long as you've done, it's incredibly successful, but very taxing on your body. So have you changed the way you rest and take time off? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, back when I was 20, I could take, afford to take like two months off during the summer because usually in ballet companies, you have the summer off. It can vary from one month to two months. And I think maybe when I was in Vienna, we had two months and I would take those two months completely off. <laughs> and I could afford to do that because I was younger, yeah. but now that's not the case. And so even if we're on a break, we techni technically still have to maintain our bodies. Being honest here, <laughs> for the past two weeks, I have not really done any ballet. <laughs> um, that said, I have taken other dance classes. So I have been sort of moving my body. And now that I'm talking about it, I will try to go to the optional ballet classes being offered maybe tomorrow. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I've definitely had to ha take a different approach because your body does change. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I realize that you know, if you don't want to, you have to take care of your mental health as well. <laughs> and sometimes it is good to step away from it mm -hmm. to just, yeah. yeah. I, I'm sure you understand. It's good to just step away from, you yeah. know, some things sometimes. Of course, of course. So that's been my past two weeks. But yeah, I'll try to get into ballet <laughs> class tomorrow. <laughs> You've had an unforgettable year with performing and with the pandemic and lockdown and everything that came with that. So of the last 12 months, what do you feel is the biggest life lesson you've learned? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes along with what I was just talking about. But I think finding a work-life balance. Um, I think I am very much like my mother who also was like, work, work, work. Um, and maybe that's like a Japanese mentality or an Asian mentality as well. But... You know, there is a thing called burnout <laughs> and you do, yeah, you have to learn to enjoy life as well. And that will obviously translate into work. So being kind to yourself. Um, yeah, even say if it was, say like diet, you know, like food, we do have to be cautious about what we eat, but Every now and then, if you want to indulge in like a donut or three, <laughs> it's fine, you know? <laughs> um, and that makes you a happier, healthier dancer when you're back at work. So, so what, yeah. is, what is the donut that you go to or the three donuts that you go to? I have it right here, actually. <laughs> <laughs> There's this really good place called Dobro's here in Hong Kong. And yeah, um, sometimes I'll have three. Today, I've only had one, though, so. <laughs> and, and what's the flavor? Uh, it's Nutella with cinnamon sugar. Uh, sign me up for that. I haven't had a Nutella donut since I was in Amsterdam, so sign me up for that. <laughs> I'll save you one. <laughs> I'm learning new things about you. You have an interest in being with the circus, with the trapeze. What else? What else is big picture than you? I know you want to continue performing indefinitely, so but what else is out there? What are some things you want to do in your life? Because I'm I curious, when I, when I heard about that, when I heard about trapeze, I was like, I didn't know this about you, man. This is great. So, 
Yeah, I guess I didn't tell you before. <laughs> it's fascinating, yeah. I, because of that, I know there's more. That's why I ask, because I know you've got other things that... I don't... Cur- well, yeah, actually, going back to circus, they have circus classes also here in Hong Kong. And I think back when I was living in Boston three years ago, um, three? No, two years ago, uh, I did take a few aerial... They're called aerial liras, these hula hoops hanging from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And I took those classes... Um, which I was planning to do here as well, but I guess like that's being put off a little bit. But I also wanted to have that aerial lira at home so I could just do it whenever I wanted. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's a little bit hard because <laughs> you have to drill a hole in the ceiling. They do have these things that you can put without drilling a hole in the ceiling, but that requires a lot of space because it's like four big legs sort of supporting the aerial lira so instead i got a pole because <laughs> those are easier to set up at home mm-hmm. so i had a pole back when i was actually living both in vienna and in boston but through those experiences i learned that the pole is harder for me personally because it requires more muscle strength mm-hmm. as, as opposed to the aerial lira which you can sort of just do because you're hanging on it. You don't really have to like support yourself on the pole and prevent yourself from flipping down. But yeah, so I got poles when I was living in both countries, but I never used them. So here I haven't gotten a pole yet. (laughs) But yeah, I have enough space. Hong Kong is a really tiny apartment. Um, If you have maybe... My current place actually is about maybe over 300 square feet. And that's like on the bigger side in Hong Kong. And, but that's enough space also to be able to do like practice dance classes. Mm-hmm. Um, from one thing I've learned from doing the show is that uncertainty is where most innovation happens. When you don't know the answer, you figure something out and you become creative and you find new ideas. So it's essential. So for you, during times of uncertainty, when you don't know the answer, you don't know what to do and you're confused, what do you do? Yeah, I think I noticed because of COVID, a lot of people did seem scared about the uncertainty and I've sort of been okay. I don't know what the reason is, but I don't know. Maybe it's partly because I've moved to so many countries and somehow made it work. Obviously, if you move to a different country where you don't even speak that language, a lot of people feel uncertain and somehow I did that at a young age Um, I left home when I was 18 to go to Portugal and then Vienna, where they don't speak English, I guess, for the most part, or most people, at the age of 20. No, 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 that was when I was 20. So I moved to Vienna when I was 20. And I think when you're younger, you're a lot more fearless. And so I went through those stages of, like, moving countries or experiencing what these experiences should have been moments of big uncertainty, and I just didn't feel that because I was young and I suppose in a way reckless so I think going through that has made me just not immune to uncertainty but what do you call it a little more unaffected like I've trained through that uncertainty Mm -hmm. so yeah I wish I could answer and say have a solution do you ever revert back to those previous times for instance if you are frustrated with something, do you, do you then think back and say, oh, don't worry, Rana, you've done this before when you moved three or four or five times. 
I think the one uncertainty I do feel, to be perfectly honest, is where my current career is going. Mm -hmm. um, because I've moved to like four different companies and you really shouldn't compare <laughs> things in general, but you, I tend to compare my current success to what I used to have in other companies. And so there is this uncertainty of where I'm going to be um, at the end of my ballet career. That, how am I dealing with it? Honestly, I'm just going through the motion, I suppose, trusting that it'll work out. And in the end, even if I don't make it, say, to the point that I want to in my ballet career, I'm not going to die, you know? <laughs> it's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I, I guess just this mentality of what's the worst that could happen, really, you know? If, say, I lose my job and I can't afford to pay for my apartment and I'm out in the streets, I still have friends. I can go to their place. Um, and if not... Yeah, uh, they'll, they'll be away. You'll figure it out. You'll figure it yeah. out. I you know what the other one chatting about you is that you give me some of the most honest answers of any guest that I have. A lot of guests give you what they think they should say, but you're always, I can see your brain. You're actually giving me authentic thoughts. I always, exactly. always, <laughs> always love that. All right, this one I'm excited to ask. What makes you the most proud to be Raina? Um, I think I identify myself as a ballet dancer a lot. Mm -hmm. And the fact that, like, being a ballet dancer is a big part of my identity. And the fact that I was able to quit ballet once and get back to it, I think I'm, yeah, I'm, like, tooting my own, own horn, and I feel a little bit uncomfortable, but I am <laughs> kind of proud of that, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe that's not just 100% because of my effort and hard work. I think maybe my physicality, which is on the better side, helped with that as well. But at the same time, I did put in the work. I took a part-time job and paid for ballet classes. Um, I was juggling a lot of things. <laughs> I was singing nursery songs on the telephone while taking ballet classes and also hip hop and contemporary classes. I teaching I was also teaching a little bit and so yeah I do think I, yeah I definitely put in the work and so the fact that I was able to quit once and come back I'm proud of and obviously that experience has made me cherish what I have more now sounds a lot like the previous question about uncertainty in the times where you didn't know you figured it out you found these plans but it also sounds like a heavy deal of confidence too because you had to have confidence to step away that wasn't something you can do easily and you had the confidence to stay you know what i'm gonna take away and I'm, I'm comfortable enough that i can take time away and i'm not worried about it because for so many people right they're attached to their careers and their jobs and it's challenging to step away right actually but the thing is when i stepped away from ballet at the age of 24 i had no intention of coming back oh. <laughs> yeah um I was just so fed up with it. Yeah. Like I said, I was standing on stage just wishing I could go home. Yeah. And I was on the verge of almost hating ballet. And so I told everyone I was retiring at 24. And some people around me, I think they obviously were more, they were older. 
and they saw what I didn't see, which is that I actually do love ballet. And so I had a few people tell me, oh, but you'll be back. And while I was thinking, you don't know what's going on in my head. I am <laughs> never going to dance ballet again. I'm never going to join a ballet company. But yeah, I didn't have the confidence though then because I didn't intend on going back. But I think when I did decide to go back, I must have had some degree of confidence that I could put in the work and make it happen. Or yeah, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Is there any activity or anything that you've put off because you can't endanger your dancing career? For instance, I know a lot of dancers, they, they don't do skiing and activities like that. So is there anything that you've put off and you're like, you know, when, it's, when I am finished dancing, I'm looking forward to doing this. Hmm. I mean, I don't wear heels <laughs> because I'm very prone to twisting my ankle. I actually say I've been here for two years and I twisted my ankle four times, three times on the right, one time on the left. Um, and it's gotten to the point where right after I twist it, I know how bad it is because I've gone through it so many times. So I have really weak, wonky ankles. So I don't wear heels too much. And if I do, they're very chunky boots that are strapped around my ankle. So there's no way I can twist it. Aside from that, um, not, I don't think there's anything that I really avoid. I mean, maybe, yeah, I don't go out clubbing and drinking a lot, but that's only because I don't enjoy it too much. Um, and I don't stay out late if I feel like it affects my work. Mm -hmm. But then I don't think I'm going to start doing that once I retire either. Yeah. So yeah. I don't, yeah, I honestly don't think there's anything that I really, really want to do that I've refrained myself from doing because it might affect that ballet. Okay. So what is next? What is next performance-wise? Now you're on a, on a quick summer break. What do you have upcoming performances that we should be aware of? We're going to do Alice in Wonderland, which is something that Hong Kong Ballet has done before, but I haven't. Mm -hmm. um, again, we were supposed to have tours to some other countries and bring Alice in Wonderland, but that didn't happen because of the virus. Mm -hmm. And so we'll be doing that here in Hong Kong. After that, we have Sleeping Beauty. And then we have Nutcracker, a new version of Nutcracker, which is by the same choreographer as Alice in Wonderland which is also our director <laughs> and that'll happen in December. And I think I'm excited mostly for the one in December, just because it'll be a new creation. And I, I think you've spoken to a ballet dancer also, right? Mm -hmm. Previously, but it's always an exciting experience to be part of a creation because when that ballet gets passed on to other companies or another generation of dancers, you were the one who originated it. Yeah. And so there's a little bit, a small part of you in it. Yeah. And so it's always fun. It can also be a tiring process too, because sometimes it can be tedious when somebody wants to create something new. They take time or they keep repeating, or they make you repeat it so many times, or after they've said it, they kind of change it again. You're like, again, you're going to change it. <laughs> but Overall, it's a cool experience to be part of a new creation. And so I'm looking forward to that in December. Wonderful. Well, high priority in my next year is to witness it firsthand, witness one of the performances firsthand in Hong Kong. So yes, that's definitely. my intention. <laughs> I always love talking to you. Gosh, it's always so much fun. I think we might be similar. <laughs> You're the best. I could chat with you for hours, but this was great. Yeah. Thanks so much. Um, 
have a great day and let's do this again. Perfect. Okay. Right. <laughs> Bye, okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Wasn't she fantastic? Raina is currently performing with Hong Kong Ballet in Sleeping Beauty, which will run until October 17th. Following that, she'll be part of the Nutcracker, which runs from the 11th to the 26th of December. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from any given runway show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Adiento. Randall has become like, you know, New York's favorite son. <laughs>